The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and it's finally time for the NBA Finals. I'm here with my co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, and here it is, the rematch, Spurs versus Heat. We've been waiting for this time of year ever since October of 2013, and last year, Game 6, the San Antonio Spurs held a three-point lead with 22 seconds to go in that basketball game, and we all remember what transpired last year, us hardcore basketball fans, as the Miami Heat took two errant three-point shots, but then Chris Bosh got the rebound, kicked it to Ray Allen, and he canned one with only two seconds left, and that three-pointer saved the Heat season, and now LeBron James is a two-time NBA champion. He's now 2-1 and one in NBA Finals, and the San Antonio Spurs were denied their fourth franchise championship, all because of one Chris Bosh and Ray Allen backing into a corner and nailing a three. So... That play has been recycled over and over again throughout NBA basketball highlight videos on ESPN. And I'm sure throughout the Spurs locker room, they are just absolutely sick of seeing that shot and being reminded how close they were last year to that to their season culminating in an NBA championship. So with San Antonio, it's so rare that a team that faces heartbreak and that gets so close to a championship can come back to the same point again and be knocking on the door. And the Spurs, it's really special. All their core guys returned and these guys are in the autumn of their careers. You know, you have Tim Duncan who's a 38-year-old guy. You have Manu Ginobili who's been around the block ever since the early decade. And uh, same with Tony Parker. Uh, These guys were there when they beat the New Jersey Nets in 2002 for their first NBA championship. And it's very special to see this team remain together and have its core stick together as San Antonio has done. And what a series with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, you had a total contrast of styles. You have the Spurs who slow it down, play very fundamental half-court offense, and now you have a team in Oklahoma City that could get to the basket 
and can pride themselves on being or be on being more athletic than you and they can use that athleticism to get off shots and uh it was a fantastic series uh it a series that took many twists and turns we remember the Ibaka emergence in game three and Oklahoma City blowing them out in games three and four but Bruce what are your opinions on a great Western Conference Finals and, and talk about the San Antonio Spurs team. Well, like you, I was totally impressed by the Spurs, particularly Tim Duncan, age 38. He looked exactly the same as he did 18 years ago. Amazing low post moves. Athletic. Nobody uses the glass better. Popovich, tremendous substitutions. And the real secret is the fact that the Spurs really have a deep bench. They used everybody. Kawhi Leonard matching the athleticism of Westbrook. And at the end, Ginobili, not only scoring threes when needed, but look at the defense he played, hurling himself at Derek Fisher, hurling himself at Kevin Durant. True warriors on a mission. Very well said. And you look at San Antonio now and, just it's it's unbelievable how they were able to keep their core together get back to this point to to play the Miami Heat and you look at Tim Duncan it's funny you mention him I mean you look at his shot and his shot is is stiff uh I mean he uh he his he's very uh his his shoulders are very close together and he doesn't have much elbow room to shoot and he kind of shoots kind of a line drive with not much arc but the shot happens to go in every time and they call him the big fundamental and uh his post game speech Bruce let's elaborate on that because that was it sounded like a very confident guy uh, and I want you to recap to the listeners your impressions of his post-game interview. I was really impressed by his post-game speech. He was confident but not cocky. Really a hard line to meet. In sports, we see a lot of people, you know, we see in the NFL guys doing a dance after a six-yard pass. There's just too much showboating in sports, in my opinion. But Tim Duncan gave a a beautiful interview, and he really subbed it up. He said, we really need the four days to rest. And if you watch the game, it was really a chess match. At what point was Popovich just going to, you know, fold the tent and and look to the next game? But the Spurs just kept on hanging on, and they kept on adding their starting players in, excluding Tony Parker. And with the postgame speech, Duncan said, listen, we remember last year, we've got four more to win. And he said it in a way that didn't he, – he wasn't poking his, his, his finger in the face of LeBron James. He wasn't touching his face or blowing in his ear a la Dwayne Stevenson. But the fact is he was confident. And at age 38, this is the last hurrah for these guys, for Ginobili, Parker, and for Tim Duncan. And for me, I tend to usually root for the underdog and – I believe OKC will rise again, but they certainly depended too much on the two big scores. They didn't have the broad-based team, and you look at all the role players just coming in waves, almost like a hockey game. It's almost like the Spurs had four lines. They kept on changing and bringing in, and I think that it's going to be a heck of a series against the Heat. 
I do as well. And I look at Tim Duncan, and along with Derek Jeter, I can't think of a more polite superstar, and I can't think of a superstar that I would rather resemble than Tim Duncan. Uh, Tim Duncan is a guy that every good basketball player every athlete should aspire to be because he's a guy that just is a true professional in every aspect of the definition the guy works hard he manages to keep the team together he keeps his personal life away from his business and he's just a very private and loyal person and with that post-game speech he was confident He said we wanted to win four games and win the championship. He was very articulate with his words, and he kind of was very motivational. You wanted to go to battle with Tim Duncan. He was confident, but, but he wasn't overbearing. And you look at some of the speeches that come to mind when you think of cocky or arrogant and uh, Richard Sherman's interview with Aaron Andrews comes up to me because Sherman was yelling. He was, he was making fun of Michael Crabtree after making that interception. Um, and he was saying he was the best cornerback in the game. And those were all individual accomplishments rather than team-oriented things. Then you look at another public relations speech that I thought was, was not very strong in terms of modesty. And now is LeBron James saying that he was going to win seven championships more than Michael Jordan. And that speech rubbed me the wrong way because the guy hasn't even won one championship. And I wanted him to back up his talk. But also proclaiming that, speaking that, I just thought it was, it was uncharacteristic for LeBron there. So Tim Duncan was modest with his message of four games, and was very confident. I'd like to analyze the upcoming finals, looking at it really player by player. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to take it position by position and really see who gets the advantage. So let's start off with point guard. Simply speaking... Let's start off with Mario Chalmers against Tony Parker, two point guards. Here this matchup for the San Antonio Spurs, Tony Parker is the best player on their basketball team. He's the quickest player. He could get to any point on the floor he wants, and he's the most consistent. Now, I know he had a knee injury that hinged him from playing the last fourth quarter of the Oklahoma City game in game six, but I do expect Parker to be healthy, and Tony Parker needs to be the best player on the floor for the San Antonio Spurs if they are going to be able to win this basketball game. I look here for the Miami Heat. If I was really Eric Spolstra, I would not have Chalmers guarding Tony Parker. I would either put Norris Cole, a pesky defender, a little quicker and younger than Mario Chalmers to guard Tony Parker, prevent him from getting into the lane. But I think that the most reasonable selection to guard Tony Parker is LeBron because LeBron is the best player defensively and offensively in basketball. And it's not even close. He's a freak. And if they put him on Parker, I think that that would be a reasonable solution. What do you believe about LeBron guarding Tony? I know everybody's hinging in my opinion with respect to that question. However, the time has passed. Our first segment is in the books. 
We've got a lot more analysis, NBA Finals, that beautiful trophy. Stay right there. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. Well, I'll relive and tell the tale of my epic safari adventure to South Africa with Daniel DeToy of Kaluby Safaris, and we'll also hear from outdoor writer and TV personality, Ron Spomer. So get ready for near-death Cape Buffalo encounters, planes, game pursuits, exquisite cuisine, and 100% Jimmy. Hey, this is presented to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're here talking about NBA Finals. We're going to conclude this show tonight by going over a concussion update. So stay with me for the last segment. But right now, we're going position by position. And I'm going to respond to your assertion that LeBron should guard Tony Parker. I believe he shouldn't. The reason is there's just too many bigs on the Spurs. If you, you, you know, Popovich, if you bring Parker out... Essentially, you're going to leave the middle open. And I don't see Dwayne Wade, I don't see Chris Bosh guarding the middle, and the Heat don't have a strong center. So you really have to keep him in the lane, in my opinion. And you've got guys like uh, Tim Duncan, and you've got Tiago Splitter. And essentially, if you take LeBron and you put him on the perimeter, I believe the Spurs will eat your lunch, so I, I don't agree with that matchup. Let's talk about Chris Bosh. 
what effect will he have on the finals? It seems like he's been primarily a perimeter player. They do a great job of kicking out to him, particularly on the baseline for three-pointers. Who, how are they going to match up? What do, you, what do you expect the Spurs to do to match up with Chris Bosh? Well, I see Verduncan or I see Splitter guarding Bosh. And I, I don't think it would be a bad idea to have the twin towers of Duncan and Splitter in at the same time. You do want Kiwi Leonard and Danny Green in the basketball game because Danny Green is a guy that could splash in threes and change the course of a game because he's so athletic and he could he could play. He's very versatile on offense in that he can either sink a three or come up with an amazing layup. So I love what Green brings offensively and defensively. He's underrated. Now, Bosch, you have to worry about his jump shooting ability. So I think that Splitter is a quicker guy that you could put on him. I do think for the Miami Heat to win this series, Bosch has has to have a uh, has to have an effect on at least a couple of the basketball games. Um, I still see LeBron going. LeBron and Kiwi Leonard is going to be a great matchup, and Kiwi is a guy that they drafted. Uh, he pretty much is is the guy that is slated to guard LeBron James. So if Duncan is guarding Bosch. That's a matchup that Bosch can clearly exploit because Bosch can really shoot the basketball. And the thing I noticed about Bosch is that if he doesn't get off to a good start, he gets more hesitant as the game goes on to put up shots. So Chris Bosch needs to definitely have his light very green in this series. I do think that the Miami Heat are going to have to have key contributions from him. But the Miami Heat supporting cast is not as bad as you think. And they have a lot of guys like Ray Allen, Norris Cole that can come out and help. But specifically with Bosch, if Duncan is guarding him like I expect, he needs to take advantage of that. And look for the Spurs, possibly. I would like San Antonio to maybe put a smaller guy on Bosch if he's just a shooter. Force him to put it on the deck and go inside. Next, we have Dwayne Wade. Spolstra... Hard to say that while you're whistling eating crackers. Has certainly been very careful to rest his players. Dwayne Wade has those creaky knees. So I believe, as always, Wade is going to come up big in the finals. We certainly remember that series, the first one, before LeBron came to the Heat, where essentially Wade won it single-handedly. And I don't think there's any better finisher in the game than Wade. Guy uses the glass, knows how to hang in the air, and I think he's going to be ready for the bright lights of the finals. How are the Spurs going to defend D-Wade? I like Danny Green to guard Dwayne Wade. And I think Greed is just as young, and I think that he could definitely guard Wade. You looked at the last series, and... You On Indiana, you had a void between George Hill, Lance Stevenson. You didn't have a guy that was quick enough to really guard Dwayne Wade when he's going to the basket. But I look at Danny Green, and he seems like the perfect guy to match up with Wade. In fact, yeah, I would definitely put Green on him because Tony Parker is a guy that you need for offense. So Parker can guard either Mario or Norris Cole. So I look for Green to guard Wade. And the thing about Dwayne Wade is, you know, really force him 
to take it down and, and and shut off that mid-range game. The mid-range game is a lost start in the NBA, and Wade's mid-range game is as good as any. So force him for the in-between spots, like a three-point, force him to shoot threes, or if it gets by you, force him to take it into the teeth of your defense so Splitter or Duncan can try to alter a shot. Let's look at the bench. If I look at the OKC Spurs series, the big glaring difference between the two teams is the lack of production from the OKC bench. Almost no scoring at all. As opposed to the Spurs, the game coming in waves, and they they seem they really know how to substitute. Usually the second quarter into the third quarter is usually substitutes. And I'm looking at Miami, and I'm just wondering how they're going to match up with the second team. So let's just look at the bench players, Spencer, and let's look. What's your prediction of how it's going to play out between the Heat and the Spurs? I believe that if Chris and Chris Anderson's going to play a huge part in the series for the Miami Heat, guarding Tim Duncan and guarding Splitter. And if Anderson can really control the paint and get rebounds and play great like he has been the whole playoffs, he could be an X factor that this Miami Heat team needs. Now you look at Miami's bench, you you have Ray Allen coming off of it. You have Haslam who sometimes starts, sometimes doesn't. And you're going to Miami goes about 8 deep. So you're going to need to have uh, Richard Lewis, some of those guys come in and just give you defensive minutes. Even Greg Oden sometimes can come into the game. But this, I would definitely favor the San Antonio Spurs bench overall because of Green, Splitter, all the big men that the San Antonio Spurs have. Uh, and Greg Popovich, as you mentioned before, is just great at substituting players when needed. So I look at San Antonio to use their depth to their advantage in the series. And even Marco Bellinelli can be a guy that can come in and make plays. So the the, the bench edge should definitely be favored to the San Antonio Spurs. Bruce if there's one player in this series that you think is going to be hard to guard for either team, which player poses a matchup problem on either Miami or San Antonio? They, which player do you have an inkling is going to have a very large statistical series? Well, that question is almost too easy. And my answer to that will be LeBron James. He is just playing at the absolute peak of his game. He has got a command of his outside shots, and nobody can stop him when he rubbles down the lane. And there's always the threat to kick it out to the shooters of the team. And so I think Wade, excuse me, I think LeBron is going to fill up the stat sheet, and he's truly in his prime. So I think that's a rather easy question. When you look at this series... I have two more questions pertaining to it. One, I believe that the key for the San Antonio Spurs to win are for Tony Parker to get wherever he wants on the floor and for the three-point shooting to be awesome. And I look at San Antonio to have to win a couple of games at home via blowouts. Do you see this happening? What are the keys for San Antonio to win this series? Well, I, I certainly agree. 
that if San Antonio can't hold its home court, it's, it's going to be a short series. And I think that the Spurs have to certainly rest their players throughout the game. And that's an art that Popovich has. And certainly, uh, Tony Parker has a sprained ankle right now. He sat out the second half of game six. And we haven't heard any announcement about his uh, status. Although one of the reassuring factors from a sports medicine standpoint is that there was no specific injury. And it seemed that using an abundance of caution, they were resting Parker. And hopefully with four days rest, he'll be able to come back and be resilient. It appears that we're nearing the end of the second segment. When we get to the third segment, we're going to talk about a really interesting variety of topics. Really hot things in the news, including Donald Sterling, the sale of the Clippers, as well as the recent summit in Washington, D.C., dealing with concussion. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in three minutes. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to 
to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. This segment will deal with returning to the classroom, returning to the field of play, and we're going to reference the lead neuropsychologist, Julie O'Reilly. Much of this discussion was excerpted from her excellent talk at the Sinai Hospital in Baltimore, the one-day symposium on January 28th of 2012. And this was organized by Kevin Crutchfield, who is the team doctor for the Baltimore Orioles and the Baltimore Ravens. And again, kudos to Kevin Crutchfield, great guy, and one of our chief collaborators here at Bruce, the sports doc. He organized a great one-day symposium, and we thank Julie O'Reilly. So, what is the role of the neuropsychologist? Identifying the various aspects of injury. We talked about the cognitive, which is the, the brain, the thinking. The emotional, very important. With sadness, irritability, and also instability, whether it be anxiety and depression. It's the job of the neuropsychologist to put their finger on the problem and to help out with respect to improving the problem. With respect to head injuries, there's a difficulty with processing speed. And this is critical for schoolwork. So we have reduced speed of concentration. We also have trouble with executive function, which is planning. So what's one of the hardest thing, things that a high school student has, and that is planning their time, juggling their extracurricular activities, studying for SATs or ACTs, devoting time to family, and also cultivating and nurturing friendships at high school. So if somebody has a head injury, they're going to have impairment of all these planning and executive functions. That's something that could be diagnosed by the neuropsychologist through testing and through interviews. Also, short-term memory. So this is encoding information and also retrieving information, memory. This is stored in the temporal lobes. And another thing is reaction time, particularly on the field of play. So having a slow motor response, slowed reaction time, number one, greatly impairs performance, and number two, could also allow for injury. If you can't react, if you're playing football and you just can't react to the speed of the game, very very easy to get injuries, not only head injuries, follow-up head injuries, but also orthopedic injuries from just being in the wrong place and having your arms and legs in the wrong spot, not being able to protect yourself. So there's a lot of overlapping problems. Again, feeling slow, feeling foggy, forgetting information, slowness overall. And there's also an important role for returning to the classroom, essentially to monitor the progress and also to have the connection to the student-athlete, ensuring rest, also monitoring the patient for two to three months. And during the time of the acute injury, reducing the amount of tests per day, reducing the amount of homework, and frankly, reducing the hours in school. So in the beginning, 
the, the athlete might return to half-day schooling. In the beginning, they might have some homebound instruction. And there has to be an understanding and allowance between the school and the, the school district and the teachers. And the teacher's role is very instrumental. Some of these patients, and they are student athletes, require what they call an IEP. And that's an individualized educational program. And this involves communicating with the parents, offering support and encouragement, oftentimes special instruction, reinforcement of the principles, and allowing for learning to occur. Also, depression and anxiety has to be monitored and managed by the neuropsychologist, the neurologist, and has to and there has to be an interaction between the parents and the student-athlete. One of the biggest problems we see, particularly in hockey and football, is that there is a sense of denial on the part of the parents. Usually, I have to say, the father is usually the worst. There's a feeling like, you know, when I did it, you know, I took a lot of hits when I was young. How come you can't handle it? you got to be tough. you got to get back. And that there's definitely a role of the neuropsychologist to be able to show standardized tests and to be able to explain to the parents there is a problem and it will likely get better, but we have to manage it. And it's easy to be in denial. And that's the old school way of thinking. But as we say, certainly uh, Keith Primo, uh, former captain of the Flyers, said it, it's, uh, it's, it takes a, a, a courageous man to uh, to know that you're taking time off to get better. Because if you just return too early to the field of play, whether it be ice hockey, boxing, you name it, soccer, you're really hurting the team, okay, because you're hindering your recovery. Perfect example is Tiger Woods. We're not talking about a brain injury here. He felt a pain. He had recurrent tendonitis in his left ankle. He had trouble walking. And a year ago, he might have toughed it out, pushed through, finished the tournament. He might, he might have missed a month, four to six weeks. But you know what? He said, listen, I recognize it's, it's an injury. I've got to manage it. I've got to get better. And sure enough, he returned to play for a two-day invitational tournament. But yet, he's on track to play in the Masters. So Tiger, rather than being macho and saying, hey, I'm going to tough it out, he knew he had to take time off. So the same analogy is true for head injuries. And there are educational challenges. As the athlete goes on ahead, middle school, high school, typically they become more independent. So what happens? The expectations increase and the support diminishes. There's an expectation that the student has to be more independent. And that's great. But when you have a head injury situation, it could put the student in a precarious position. And particularly if there's no accommodations, what happens? They start failing in school. They're already anxious and depressed. They have headaches, feeling of helplessness, estrangement, downward spiral. So that's why it's so important for there to be a multidisciplinary approach between the neuropsychologist the occupational therapist, the the neurologist, and the team physicians and trainers, 
as well as the, uh, the school districts and the teachers themselves. And the good news is, with proper management, these people usually get better. But there are exceptions. There, there are some of these long-term cases that uh, the brain injuries uh, plateau at a certain point, and uh, they need to be managed. Medications need to be utilized, such as sedative hypnotic agents to help people sleep and restore sleep cycles, antidepressants, talk about headaches and analgesics. Earlier in the show, we talked about the neurochemistry of headache and how there's parallels between migraine headaches and post-concussion headaches. They're very similar. And as neurologists, we deal with them using our knowledge of neurochemistry and pharmacology to try to help people out. And the goal is not to keep them on drugs long-term, but short-term, allow them to get better, allow them to get into a normal routine. Let's dig closer into the, uh, the role of the teacher in the school. The length of assignment should be modified. The teacher should help break down the steps in problem solving. And the student should be given extended time to, um, you know, to get their work done in school, to complete assignments, and also with test-taking, extended time, is is certainly something that is offered to certain students with different learning challenges. And there's no reason that the head-injured athlete shouldn't be afforded the same latitude. Also, the amount of time under bright fluorescent lights should be limited. A lot of times we instruct the, the families to have old-fashioned incandescent lights, which are much softer and easier on the eyes, especially with those who are light sensitive with headaches and dizziness, and also to modify the volume of sound and the pace of delivery. We also have to have an allowance for diminished attention time and also memory problems, allowing more time to study the test material. Provide not only verbal commands, but also written commands. Many patients with head injuries develop trouble you know, with one or the other, verbal or written processing, and some both. So to use both the visual system, which is written, and the verbal system, which is an auditory system, to use them both helps to reinforce the learning and also, you know, allowing for deadlines and to be very clear about what's expected. Also with the executive function to have a designated staff member, to communicate with the teachers, to help the students to organize tasks and deadlines, also to use a calendar, and also providing the master notes that the teachers can, they have a master a set of master notes that they teach from, for them to actually provide the written master notes so the patients could have them in advance. When they're in class, they could listen to it, they could look at it in a written way, and also hear it and process it visually and verbally. So all these are very, very important tools. And, you know, students, the, the, the sports are great, but uh, most of these kids are, are not going to be professional athletes. So the key thing is to, is to keep them moving along in school, passing their grades, not losing out, not going into a downward spiral. spiral excuse me. So key elements, communication, monitoring, parents, staff, 
flexibility, and also having the doctor playing an active role, dealing with the various symptoms of concussion and head injury, and eventually giving, when appropriate, the reassurance that the athlete can begin training, can, can begin cardio, you know, weightlifting, eventually patterning of the sport, and ultimately a return to practice, and finally a return back to playing in competition. Hope you enjoyed this segment. Hope it was uh, informative and not too boring. In any event, stay tuned. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The Sports Girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. We've just completed week 12 of the NFL. On today's show, we're going to lead off talking about some recent hits and concussion information. And we're going to have a breakdown by Spencer the Wizard on the NFL around the league, 
week 12. We're also going to replay a segment, an interview with two Super Bowl champion wide receivers from the New York Giants. Without any further ado, let's get rolling. The New York Giants just got blitzkrieged on Monday Night Football in the Dome by the New Orleans Saints. What was noteworthy was one particular play in the fourth quarter. Perhaps out of frustration, Kenny Phillips speared Jimmy Graham in the head. That is, another player had uh, grabbed Graham and... Kenny Phillips launched himself helmet to helmet, and when you saw Graham down on the ground, his back was arched. Watching with Spencer the Wizard, he noted that he surprised that Graham's head didn't fly off his, his neck. That's how severe this hit was. Kenny Phillips was fined $20,000 for a hit earlier on Zach Miller of the Seattle Seahawks. So you can only imagine whether there will be a bigger fine or perhaps a multi-game suspension for Kenny Phillips. It's an appropriate launch point to talk about a concussion update. Firstly, a concussion means a transient, diminished central nervous system activity. And this can be seen in the field of sports. It can be seen on the military battlefield. It could also be seen on the highways around the United States. The key thing is motion, where the brain is actually thrust forward and backward, which we call coup counter coup. And the part of the skull inside, which is closest to the brain, is, are called the petrous ridges. And the temporal lobes get thrust against the bone. And likewise, the frontal portions of the brain are very vulnerable to trauma. So let's look at concussion, and then we'll try to go back to the anatomy and try to explain what happens and why it happens. The first signs of concussion are usually dizziness, blurred vision. Other signs involve direct functions of the temporal lobe. That is, anxiety, depression, even psychosis, and memory loss, trouble concentrating, and reduced reaction time. This can be particularly devastating if a player tries to prematurely return to the field of play, regardless of the sport. With reduced reaction time, the player would be vulnerable to a second hit and what's known as the second impact syndrome. This is a devastating situation where a patient's brain actually begins to leak electrolytes and the blood vessels become pressurized and there's a tendency for rupture of the blood vessels. Uh, rupture of blood within the brain obviously extends beyond the diagnosis of concussion into intracerebral hemorrhage. So let's quickly break down the types of bleeds. One is, if there's a bleed within the brain substance itself, it can be called a contusion, a cerebral contusion. If there's a rupture of one of the blood vessels outside of the brain, this is called a subdural hematoma. 
And if there's a rupture of the blood vessels and essentially blood is dumped into the spinal fluid, into the ventricular system, this is called a subarachnoid hemorrhage. This underscores the importance of athletes being taken out of the field of play as soon as a concussion is recognized. The NFL has instituted a policy where sideline testing is noted, and when patients have been diagnosed with a concussion, they are, pre- they are restricted from returning back to the field of play until they are symptom-free of concussion and until they're cleared by a licensed board-certified neurologist such as your trusted host, that would be me, Bruce the Sports Doc. So how do we treat patients who suffer concussions? Number one, they must be taken out of the field of play. Number two, their brain must be allowed to rest. Typically, go back into the locker room. Let them lie in a dark area. And most importantly, make sure there's restoration of sleep. Many patients with concussion have their reticular activating system, which is part of the brain stem, malfunctions, probably due to the association areas within the brain. So that is during the day, they're extremely fatigued and hypersomnolent, and at night, they have trouble initiating sleep. So as a neurologist who actively treats concussions, what are the types of medications we use to treat patients with concussions? Number one, we use sleep aids. We could use a mild benzodiazepine, a Valium-like drug like clonazepam or Ativan or even Restoril. Or we could use a drug called Ambien, which is known as Zoldapam or Lunesta. And therefore, the patient should be allowed to get sleep. And further, the patient should rest their brain. A lot of young athletes are in the habit of using the electronic devices. We're talking about the cell phone with texting, voicemail, conferencing, and also just general use of the computer. And when patients are being treated for concussion, they should rest the brain, close down and shut down the computers and the cell phones, be allowed to resume normal sleep patterns. And for those in high school and in college, it's often required that they take time off from academics. Now, it's a difficult situation here because there's pressure from the team to get them back to the field of play. There's also academic pressure, whether they're in high school or college. But it's very important for the treating physician, the neurologist, the sports medicine doctor, to basically become actively involved to deal with school administrators, coaches, teachers, and there's often a need to, um, to have them take off from their classes, possibly have a sabbatical, and at times have limited homebound instruction. To have to study and look at keyboards and read textbooks is particularly difficult in the setting of concussion. Other medications that can be used for concussion deal with the symptom of headache. The symptom of headache is certainly one of the top three symptoms that are noted by patients following concussions. The headaches will often be around the eyes or in the back of the head. And 
The medications we use can include combination analgesics such as butalbital, otherwise known as Estric Plus, the use of anti-inflammatory agents that can be found over-the-counter, including ibuprofen and naproxen, are also helpful with headache. A lot of the headaches following concussion are very similar in character to true migraine headaches. That is, throbbing headaches, pain over an eye, nausea and vomiting, as well as aphilia fatigue. So there's a whole class of medicines which are called the triptans. Now, these medicines actually stimulate the serotonin receptors in the brain. There's a whole host of them. It's a drug called Ibitrex, otherwise known as Subitriptan. They can be taken orally, can be injected, or through the nasal route. There's a drug called Maxalt, which is, uh, can be taken orally or sublingually. A chemical called dihydroergotamine. Who makes up these crazy names anyway? DHE. What that does is it helps constrict the blood vessels, and it's thought to stimulate the serotonin receptors. There's an inhaled drug called migranol, which is a form of DHE. DHE can also be injected, and in certain settings for patients with intractable headaches, DHE can actually be given in a very low concentration through an intravenous in order to abort a uh, protracted headache, which has a migrantous character. Finally, we have testing, various types of examinations clinically, and one which is most embraced nationally is called impact testing, developed by Dr. Mickey Collins and associates at the University of Pittsburgh. The nice thing about impact testing is that most teams nationwide offer a baseline, high school, college, pros, and that way after a concussion, we as doctors might check the patient every two weeks with an impact test, and the impact test will check how they react to visual cues, verbal cues, reaction time, and motor speed, and it's a 20 to 30-minute test. It also is offered in up to 70 different languages. So the impact test, we wait for the patient to be symptom-free. We wait for their impact test to return to baseline or near baseline. We palliate the symptoms of concussion, and eventually the patients are able to return to some exertion, some training, some aerobic activity, and eventually segue back to their respective sports. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.